Well, it's the chance for us to welcome another guest to the OHL podcast as requested by you. Tyler sent the email to OHLpodcast at rogers.com says, you got to get Brian Drum on the show. The only guy to play in seven, seven OHL seasons. Now, this isn't like high school where you get held back or anything. Brian Drum is with us. Drummy, thanks for making the time. But you know what? I had somebody bring that up and then not, not too long ago, the same idea of the, the many years. And I kind of said, it's like being in grade eight for three or four, three or four repeats. But really I, it happened that that many years probably went by and I was able to bounce in and out of them probably because I started so early. And when you start at 14, right away you're 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 ahead of most people they're going to play four or five years and then when vancouver sent me back in my overage year uh, that gets to seven (laughs) (laughs) but you said something there that i I think catches a lot of people's ears it's one thing if you look up brian drum's stats and you see the seven seasons but you just said at the age of 14 you played your first ontario hockey league game that's not something that happens anymore how did that happen for you back then well, back then, Mike, um, you know, Toronto was always dominating. You had the Marlies. They always seemed to be such a good team. And, and the reason for it is they were able to protect seven players from your own city. So Kitchener could protect seven minor league, minor players. Marlies would pick seven. But kind of an unfair situation when you got all of Toronto to pick from or all of Oshawa to pick from. I mean, luckily we had a real good midget team, probably one of the best midget teams in the country. Well, we were one of the best in the world actually, because we won the big tournament overseas. But so seven of us real good players were protected. So when they run into injury problems, um, Gus Bodner was the coach at the time. And I think Gus really, you know, he watched some of the kids playing, but not really. So he saw this big kid that was scoring lots in on a midget team, had no idea what the ages of the kids were, thought everybody's 15 or at least 16, 15, 16. He had no idea I was only 14 years old until after the game. And this goes to tell you how long ago it was. It was a sports writer from the Toronto Telegram came up to him after the game and said, it's pretty bad when the Oshawa Generals have to play a 14-year-old to make out their lineup. And, and he was as dumbfounded as anybody. He had no idea what the guy was talking about. So they were able to bring me up without, uh, you know, there's no waivers, no protect, nothing to do with the draft because we were protected players and we were part of that minor system in Oshawa. So when the draft came around in my draft year, well, naturally they didn't even have to draft me then. They just protected seven kids, uh, the best seven kids in that area, in their area. And uh, I was lucky enough to fall into that. Uh, so I ended up getting a record that nobody can really beat. It's kind of funny actually, but all because my coach and, and, and I don't think he would have brought me up if he knew I was only 14 years old. Well, it also gives you the distinct, the distinction of not only holding that mark, but ahead of some other guys that we might be thinking about, no offense, but ahead of Brian Drum, I'm thinking specifically of names like Wayne Gretzky and Bobby Orr. It was funny because, uh, you know, I had some ties with uh, Rick Kornacki and he was, he got hired by General Motors to run the safe and fun hockey school. And naturally Bobby Orr was, was a spokesman for the new van release and was the big draw on the ice. And we brought kids from all over Ontario, some special needs, some, they didn't have to pay to go to this. It was a big promo thing. Cassie Campbell did the girl side 
And I got a chance to sit with Bobby for well every day, every morning we were on the ice, and he was he chirped me nonstop about that fourteen year old thing. He made me buy coffee because you know because I'd beaten that record, and and he just thought it would never be beat, and, and now it can't be. I mean, Tavares came real close, um, drafted as a fourteen year old, but luckily the Generals had their first game in September, so he was fifteen when he got to play and not fourteen. So. It's it's interesting. It's it's uh, you look keep looking back at it, and it's um, I know one of the guys from the north, Randy Rissen, did an article last summer, and I was doing some work up north in the pipeline stuff, and um, he did the Gretzky thing because when Wayne came to Peterborough, he got to play with myself and Keith Crowder. We were two the two guys who were supposed to protect him for the couple of games he was going to play and and Wayne was only 15 so unfortunately the only team he never scored for was the games he played with us and we kind of kid about that because that's probably why he didn't score because he had us on his wing with him. it was all your fault drummy yeah yeah I, I scored and I know crowd scored but Wayne didn't he picked up I think three assists in the three games and and then you go down the road and years later when, when the hockey's all done and, and, and we're coaching kids and I had uh, Darren McCarty with me in, in Peterborough and Darren's living with me in Peterborough and who does he get drafted by is Belleville and guess the who the first pick that year was was Brent like Wayne's younger brother and it wasn't Mr. Gretzky who didn't for, doesn't forget anything, cornered me in the hallway, and he says, it's kind of funny how you played with Wayne in his first OHL game, and this kid that lives with you is going to play with Brent. <laughs> I says, I can't believe you remember that. And, and and never said a word about not getting any goals, so I was waiting for that one. But small world. You mentioned that it was yours and Crowder's job to kind of protect the 15-year-old kid, Gretzky, when he was going to play yeah. those games for the Peets. Is that really what the message was from the coach? Like, just make sure you keep an eye on that guy and he doesn't get himself hurt out there? Well, when we seen him in the dressing room, Mike, I mean, I, I, I said, you got to be kidding me. And, and I had seen Wayne play in Adam and stuff when we were in tournaments around Toronto and Brampton and stuff. And we had our Oshawa teams there. And I thought, oh, I mean, this kid doesn't weigh 150 pounds. I mean, but Gary Green was our coach. And and he just said, we're playing Burt Templeton in the Hamilton Fen Cups in the first game. So, you know, they're going to take a shot at him. He's, you know, dominating the junior B league with Seneca. And we had, that was our affiliate. We had the opportunity to bring him up and Stuart Smith, Billy Gardner came up. So we had numerous kids off that team get, get a chance to play with us when we went under our, our roster number, but pretty much he said, um, you know, just make sure you know that he's looked at it and Wayne kind of came to us and said don't worry about me don't watch me like and that was the biggest thing he says don't watch what I do you guys do your thing you go to the net you know you do you try and get me pucks I'll try and get you pucks and he got us pucks that I mean if we Mike if we had any talent we would have scored we would have scored a hat full like he was setting us up left and right and and it just kept going on and on you couldn't hit him and he just had that elusive extra I or he knew where you were and and there was no issues um we did score unfortunately he didn't and I remember my dad telling me at the one face-off they had a picture of us all lined up at a face-off and said you better save that picture that could be a, a good collectible down the road and then the rest is history I mean no one knew that he was going to go on to do you know what he did in the world of hockey so <laughs> Absolutely incredible. Almost as incredible as being that 14-year-old kid. And I'm just curious, 
what that's like. So there you are playing midget in Oshawa. You're doing well, obviously, but you've got some sort yeah. of routine. You must be what grade nine, I'm guessing. And yeah. so I was, so- I was in grade nine, and you know we had, and I was at the Catholic school, so we had to wear the shirt and ties. And I get a phone call at nine thirty in the morning. Our our principal at that school was a guy by the name of Jack Cole. And we had Father Paul Woodcroft there. Woodcroft was with the Flying Fathers, and that's Jay Woodcroft's uncle, who's with Edmonton now. So, but Jack called me into the office, and I figured I'm in trouble for some sort of violation with it because I didn't have a tie or something. And he said, "You're going home right now because you're going to play. I think they want you to play tonight in Toronto." And I said, "No, no, no. We don't have any games this week." And I figured he's talking about our midget team. He said, "No, you got to call your dad right now." And Gus had called and uh, they were playing the Marlies. Um, Billy Lohan and Rick Middleton were both hurt, but they were going to play. So the deal was I would play the defensive side of the shift and they would play the offensive side of the shift. So we're flipping off back and forth. My first shift was against like the shut Harris Gardner line. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like <laughs> the best line in junior hockey in Canada. And then I got the shadow like Paul and Bordelow for the rest of the game. So one thing I could do, I was, I could skate. I was a good skater. So, and I was big, so there was no chance of me really getting hurt. But at one face off, I remember George Ferguson and he's from down where we live now. And he kind of kids about it when we run into each other spears me right off the face off because like he said like like what are you doing kid like you're like ban him or something and I never really paid attention to it but you know the next day we go into London and now everybody knows I'm 14 they're not allowing me to play London had Dave Hutchison and Babcock and they were a really good team too so you had Oshawa the Marlies in London but London was tough so they put me in the press box and I'm with Bob Burr and Jim Gilchrist and they're doing a big interview because now they found out that this is some sort of record and Wayne Daniels, who is our G not GM trainer, then he's waving his arms down there and Bob Burr says, I think they want you two guys got sick in the warm up, So I got the play. And um, you know, the thing they were afraid of when you're that young, you're just not smart enough to be afraid of anybody that's real tough. And uh and that happened because I run into, I don't know, Lunistico or somebody knocked them down and Hutchison came after me and we had, you know, I think Mike Amodia was our tough guy. He had to jump in. So two or three of my, our older guys had to fight because I was there <laughs> and I got off the ice and got to the bench, didn't even know anything was going on. But when you're that young, you just don't, you don't get it. You want to get into that rink and get out real quiet. And I'm having a riot out there running at guys and they're just, no, 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 <laughs> don't you be doing, don't be doing that here. <laughs> You, you mentioned Tavares, and I wanted to ask about that because obviously he was one of the exceptional players into the Ontario yep. Hockey League at 15. How do you feel about the exceptional status that's still being granted this year just now to Michael Nisa? Um, you know what? So far, I think they've been, Mike, they've been dead on with most of them. Um, I think the big guy that played, the big defenseman there might have been the only exception, but even he looked real good early Tavares is uh you know Tavares is phenomenal I mean I'm a big Leaf fan and I love John Tavares's 200 foot game I love how he's uh you know he's the captain of that team and it's funny because in in this area is where his his in-laws are from and the one brother-in-law used to bug him all the time saying you know what he's gonna play in Toronto is he he said no he'll never play there he's so so such a private guy he likes to have his space and I'm going yeah he's gonna play here next thing I know I hear him on the phone and he comes in he said my sister just got hired at Mississauga General Hospital I go 
I don't believe it. He's coming here. He is. He's going to heat the next day they announced it. So kind of funny. And I don't know. I mean, I, I think, um, you know, the McDavid, I mean, what can you say about him? Like maybe one of the best players in the world right now. Um, I know there's some, some, some big kids that 14 and 15, there's a big deal there. That one year, I think it, it makes a big difference. I was able to probably survive at that age because of my size and I could skate. Did I have the mental ability or really the, the talent to play in that league at that, at that age? No, not at all. But for a couple games here and there, uh, I could more than fill in. And, and, and how you, you judge that is my first year as a 16-year-old. I mean, I went back to midgets, scored 70 or 80 goals. We won the Ontario. We won the World Midget Championship. My first full year in the NHL, I got nine goals. Like that was uh, – because I can remember my dad. He's just going – he said, well, you know what? It's a big deal when you got to play the full year and you play on that fourth line. No power plays. You don't get extra or anything. You earn everything you get. But if you can't score at least 20 next year, you're going to school. <laughs> So, and then, you know, and, and a couple other things have to change too, but that, and I end up with 26 or 27. So I go, whew, I'm saved. <laughs> I can keep playing hockey. No more studying. Yeah. Well, no, but I mean, you're right. He was, he had me going to the States. So, and then, you know, the, the, the OHL NCAA thing wasn't even, didn't even exist. You could play and then take off and go there. Now there's no way. I mean, you got all these set rules, and then the OHL has come around and done a great job of creating their own school program, which keeps a lot of the kids here now too. So, as a Leafs fan, Brian, what was it like playing for the legendary Gus Bodnar, the former Maple Leaf, obviously your coach in Oshawa? Yeah, I love Gus, Mike. I mean, for some reason, him and I, because I he had me there as a 14 year old, so he he started to like me early. A lot of guys that I grew up in town with that ended up – we had the gun member. We had six off that midget team playing on the generals all the way through for the four years they were there and didn't like them um, because they didn't get the good deal with the ice and and they blamed him for a lot. But he, he was old school. Like, uh, I mean, he could tell stories like that we wouldn't even know who these people are he's talking about because we're, we're not very old. But he was old school, same practice every day. Same breakout every day. And then talk about uh, the old NHL when he played. And he was so laid back. Uh, he never got too excited. I mean, it was, it was, you got to remember, that was probably a lot of fun for him to come back in and be around young guys like us. But there's some guys that really flourish there, like Middleton and Billy Lohead. And, and these guys, we, we had some, some really, you know, Lee Fogelin. We got Lee Fogelin because Gus was best friends with Lee's dad. They both played in the NHL together. So, you know, like, holy geez. What were some of the stories like? What what kinds of stories would he tell? Well, the big thing with them is their trips and stuff. When they'd go into Detroit, you know, and there'd be riots going on in Detroit, and they got to play a game, and uh, they're, they're they're sneaking out to get their their beer and their vodka and their and their drinks and stuff. But but they all had this camaraderie, like in that old like he said, that old sixteen NHL. Everybody knew everybody. You knew who the next group were that were going to come in. There was a respect layer there for everybody because they knew how hard it was to stay there. Right? And, and never thinking that, you know, I, I listen to Ralphie when he tells jokes at his uh, golf tournaments. And he says, well, I never made the NHL because there was only 32 teams when I came out. <laughs> so this is talking about six teams. And, and, and you know, remember, he rookie of the year in, in the NHL his first year. Like he, he was he was a player. And 
but the creativeness of the game that's there now, the analytics, there was no, you didn't even know what that word meant back then. It was old schools, chip it out, chip it in. And, you know, you got positioned to shoot or score and you had to learn that on your own. There was no, nothing like the teaching of that's out there now with video and different coaches. And it's, it's unbelievable the change, but the stories were tell you, it, it still comes back to that grit, that heart, and, and you play hurt, banged up. I mean, there's no missing games because you were injured unless you broke a bone. So I, I, I get the sense and, and I've heard some rumblings that you weren't far different from that. Drummy. <laughs> if you were banged up, you were still getting taping it up and getting back out there. Well, I think I, I think I tried to do that. I, I can remember Bud Stefanski, he was our captain, and, and Buddy, Buddy, I got, I got like him and Paul Harrison. We got both these guys out of a juvenile program in Timmins, and Buddy's our captain. Uh, you get cut up really bad in our first training camp. Him and Terry O'Reilly tangled because we had the pro guys skating with us, and he missed one shift and come back out. He had like nine stitches in his face, and I'm going like, "Are you kidding me?" Like this guy, he looks like a little girl. He's tough as nails. But he, he said, what are you doing? And I had been out with a groin injury. And um, I said, well, I got the groin injury. He says, yeah, and we're going into Hamilton to, to play Hamilton tonight in downtown Hamilton in that dumpy little rink. And we're going to get beat up. And you're, you're going to sit in the seats and watch. He said, go get your stuff. At least you can sit on the bench. So I go in, pack my stuff. And our trainer goes like, what are you doing? I said, well, Bud says I'm bringing my stuff. I got to sit on the bench. <laughs> so you know you're gonna play and then my first shift on the ice sure enough I get into it with I don't know it was one of their crazy guys that had I, I I'm not even sure which guy it was and I'm in getting stitched up and there's Bird in there and he comes he's got to come through the medical room to go talk to those guys and he stops and looks at me and he knows that I he says we didn't count on seeing you in the game tonight but he said just remember you're gonna have to fight a game probably before you get out of here and I'm just going oh jeez <laughs> but that's the way I mean that's the way it was I mean you you know you we had that group of leaders on that team that were old school and uh you know you weren't missing the game in there because of a groin injury so but you know that makes me think to your connection to Darren McCarty and you already mentioned him and I know I'm skipping way ahead in the timeline here but you're at the time in Peterborough coaching and you get to know Darren McCarty who ended up living with you I know he eventually gets drafted by Belleville but how did yep. that relationship form and what did you see Drummy in a young Darren McCarty well you gotta remember I had him and myself and Kurt Bowman from Leamington were coaching a travel team for Can-Am because we always worked Can-Am hockey schools out of Guelph that was our whole thing in the summer when we were growing up and Darren joined into that one travel team we had and really it, it was called an elite travel team <laughs> we had players that could hardly skate and you'd travel around and play different OHL teams and their draft picks. So you go into Belleville and we'd play mushy and, and, and Chapman and all these guys that were 19 year olds and, and tough guys in the OHL. And then the next night you play another team and they'd be on that team again and they just beat you up and beat you up. But Darren was only 15 and man, he fought a couple times. Um, had never done that before, he said. I said, are you kidding me? You've never fought before, and that's the way you can handle yourself. But he stood up as a, you know, a, a tough kid, and he was already committed to Strathroy. So the parents traveled with us the whole two weeks he was with us, and, and I had just gotten the junior B job in Peterborough, and they hadn't won a game. The year before, they tied one game out of 40. So my assistant coach at the time would have been was Mike Posavad, and he says, you know what, we should take that team because we had the midgets. We were coaching the midgets. He said, we can improve by 100% by winning one game. 
<laughs> so he has nowhere to go but up. That's our aim to win one game. And he said, yeah, we can win one by mistake. So that's what we did. And, and that travel off that travel team, I convinced, I kept telling Darren, I said, you should come and play. I mean, you're going to get lots of ice. Like we don't have anybody. Um, you know, we don't usually billet players or anything, but we can maybe figure something out. So this went on and on. And the parents, you know, they said, thank you so much. And, but we had, we got a bond. There was a bond between us that summer somehow. And, I don't know, third day of training camp, uh, someone comes to the dressing room door and said, the McCarty's are here to see. I go, well, what? Because <laughs> I had told my coaches about this kid and and he wanted to play. He, you know, the plan wasn't that he lived with me, but that ended up the way it went. And it worked out for the most part. And, you know, draft night, um, Peterborough was taken. I mean, that was a given. Like Dick, Dick and Jeff, they 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 had two or three picks in the fourth round, and and he was rated in the seventh. He had a good year in B, twenty goals, twenty five assists. And as a coach, I controlled his points pretty much. I made sure every game sheet was filled out. There was no assists missing. I, I made sure at the end of a game. You know, I said, you know, Darren, you, know, you might need a couple penalty minutes here. So you go out and get a couple. But he was balanced all the way through. His his skating was improving. He was starting to turn into, a, you know, a, maybe a, a pro, a future pro. And I saw things in him that I guess if you're around him, you would you would see. We had a real bad ice storm one night. And I came home from work in, in Oshawa. And I couldn't even park two streets away from where our farm was. And when I got out of my car, it rolled off the side of the side of the street and into the ditch. And then I had to go through the ditch to get home. So he gets up in the morning and I said, you might as well go back to bed. You get to miss school today thinking, Oh, this kid's going to be real hot because he, he would miss every chance he got, but no, he said, I'm going to, to class. And I said, uh, Darren, there's been like an ice storm for like eight hours there's no school today. No, he said, I promised this kid we'd shoot baskets. And this kid was a special needs kid. And the kid got to the school because they had vans, I guess that got him there. And, and I watched him go down the driveway and I couldn't believe it. he must've fell three or four times before he figured out if he went in the ditch, he could walk and he went to school. I'm thinking, wow. And he did. He shot. He, there's maybe four people showed up that day. So there was kind of the drive when he wanted to, to do something was there. But the night of the draft, like Danny Flynn phoned me up and we had met in the summer through these hockey school things because their team would beat us like 10-1, 10-2. And he says, uh, the McCarty kid, he said, he said, I'm looking at these stats here and we got them in the seventh, eighth round. He says, I know Peterborough's got a bunch of picks. I mean, I, I'm sure they're going to probably, and the parents probably want them to play there. And I said, to be honest with you, yeah, I, I would think that they were figuring he's going to stay here. And he says, well, I need something from you because we've got two fourths. And, and the phone's quiet and I'm thinking, uh-oh, what have I just done here? But he said, tell me about this kid. So I told him the ice the, the freezing rain story told him a couple other things where the kid is just he's, he's 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 there's something there something different about him where he's got this inner drive and this toughness that uh, and he wants to he just loves the game wants to play like he'd go on the ice and stay on the ice for hours and um and i said you know what danny i said i grew up in oshawa and on our street we had my next door neighbor was terry o'reilly at one, the other end of the street was Dave Gorman. We had two or three generals, Wayne Cashman and uh, one of the Babcocks billeting in the neighborhood. So he, he reminds me of O'Reilly, like, except for Terry was like a 90 plus student. Darren wasn't in school, but they were similar. They didn't skate well. They would fight anything that moved. 
but they had a touch around the net that they seemed to be able to get to and put pucks in, uh, you know, just something off the wall. And he, and I, he's not talking. I said, you still there? And he says, you know what? He says, my chief scout's the biggest Bruin fan. Like he's sick Bruin fan. He says, I'm going to tell him this story. So the next day we're at the draft in Belleville, um, grandma, grandpa, me, Darren, like there's a whole, whole crowd of us. And they've already bought a cottage in Peterborough. They've been coming up from Leamington, staying there when he was playing B and figured they'll just continue as he plays or tries out for the Pete's. And Belleville takes them. Um, Peterborough had, I think, Donnie O'Neill with their first fourth round pick. I think Belleville took Jake Grimes, but then they had another pick before Peterborough picked again. They took Darren with the second one in the fourth round. The grandma's crying. The grandpa's crying. I'm going, oh, my gosh. Like this. And I'm just looking at my brother. I said, don't you say a word about that. I go down there. Danny Flynn hung over. He puts the thumb up. That Bruin story did it. He said, boy. And, and like I said to him, I said, okay, so Gretzky was your first pick. Darren's your fourth. I said, I bet you McCarty's better than Gretzky in his last year. I mean, just shooting off my mouth, right? Sure enough, he was like CHL player of the year. And then, you know, the rest is history with his Stanley Cups and stuff. So that's absolutely incredible. That entire sequence. Yeah, it was funny because my, and we don't get, we don't see him much. I mean, he's been you know, with his life. I mean, he's, he's good now. It's been, it's changed around a whole lot, but he has this company and you can phone him. And one of my daughters talks to him on Twitter or Instagram every once in a while. And they kind of kid each other. And she got him to come on and send me a father's day birthday, birthday thing on like where was coming. You can watch it on your TV. It was hilarious. Like, and I hadn't talked to him in quite a long time. So it was kind of neat. That's so cool. You know, and, and savvy listeners here, Drummy, will be picking up on the fact that we talk about you playing for the Oshawa Generals, and now you're coaching in Peterborough, but also in there, we talked about protecting Wayne Gretzky, who played those games for the Peterborough Peets. It shouldn't be lost on anybody that you were on both ends of what I still say is the best rivalry in the entire Ontario Hockey League. How strange was that for you to switch colors? Well, it was tough because the company I worked for in Oshawa, and this all kind of made it happen where the coaching, I was able to go back and forth and coach, uh, where the mother cell family, they were on the board of directors with John Humphreys as minority owners of the Oshawa General. So when the coaching thing came up and it was the radio guy there that kind of got me, Dave Gilbert guy, he says, you got, what are you doing tomorrow afternoon? I said, what do you mean? I'm done work at noon. I'm going home. He says, I got an interview for you. I said, what do you mean an interview? He said, well, the generals are looking for an assistant coach. I said, I can't do that and work here. He said, oh, yeah, you can. This would be a done deal. So that started it. I never thought I'd get the job. Did. And then it was kind of neat for a few years and took a year in between and did a tier two year in Coburg. And then the Peterborough thing, I jump in with my old teammate, Dave McQueen. And, you know, we had a great first year there. And then he leaves for Tampa. And I was able to be a head coach, never thinking I'd ever coach like in that league, like never and be the first ex Pete's player to coach. And here I am in Oshawa driving around with a go Pete's go car. And, and, you know, you couldn't park it at the civic auditorium because kids would, they'd take a key to it and take the paint. off. I have to park it a block away and, and, and walk over and the same thing at work. They made me park it at the end of the park a lot, not because it was a Toyota and it's a GM building because of the Pete stickers all over it. So it was, um, you know what our first, my first year as a head coach in Peterborough, we played Oshawa in the playoffs and, um, 
it was unbelievable to to come into Oshawa as as you know and do well, do well against that team because you got to remember they had the Savard years there and. We were good the first year against them. My second year with Billy Stewart there, they beat us in six. And um, great series. The, the the series during the season, I think it ended up seven games to six or something for, for Oshawa. So we were competitive because those games, they get you fired if you don't <laughs> you do not do well. And then the late Gary Dell, his, his first interview with me when I went there, he said, okay, you got to tell me about the GM thing here because we've got – you know, 1,800 people in Peterborough that work in GM. You're from Oshawa. You're in, you're in the industry, but not in the plant. You got to tell me, like, what's going on there? I said, it's nuts. He said, like, what do you do? He said, you played for both teams. You've coached both teams. I said, I do just like I did today at work. Oshawa beat Peterborough 8-2 Friday night and then came back and beat Ottawa. And and my foreman's chirping at me. I said, you guys, that was your first game in a row. Like, you lost, like, nine. And, and you're all excited because you won one game against the Beats. So, and then, then my buddy's looking at me and said, well, who are you cheering for? I said, I cheer for whoever wins because, you know, I was on both teams. So it's still there, that rivalry. It's, it's nowhere near like it was in the old days, but it's there still. There's a little bit of bite coming down. And I, I remember driving Sean Thornton home at night after a Saturday game against the Generals. We'd have to stop in a coffee shop on the 115, and I'd have to make sure he stayed in the car because he would get out and start chirping with Oshawa fans and stuff. I said, Sean, you can't, you can't get into any trouble here. We already sent them down the 115 with their tails between their legs, but a lot of times they beat us too. So it was, you know, the rivalry was, it was crazy, but, uh, I don't know. It's uh, it's a funny one because they, my mom and dad are both. My mom is Peterborough, like big, big family from Peterborough, huge. And you know, I grew up in Oshawa. And Vince Garvey was my mom's my mom's cousin. She billeted Iserman. She billeted Keith Acton, Posavad, and Stan Jonathan, like all the old Pete's. And here I am coming in, and and Vince, he didn't, you know, he cheered for his guys, but. Uh, two big families from that area and, and and with me being able to do the sports thing with both of them was kind of neat. You talked about being an assistant under Dave McQueen. A few things come to mind there because Dave's been on this podcast before too. Let's first talk about him. You said a former teammate. That guy was no slouch. He was pretty tough out there too. What was the, what was Mac like? Mac was a, was a character and, and how I met him the first time I had came off the bench. I was a captain in Oshawa and it was a stupid move really, but Ben Wilson was running all over the place. And I told, I told my dad and he says, well, you know what? It's time for me to fight him. He said, Oh, okay. Uh, you better have a plan because he'll hurt you if you don't. And, uh, yeah, yeah, whatever. And I should have listened to him because he did hurt me, but near the end of the fight, we'd both gone down and I was cut pretty good under the under the eye over the eye. I don't know a couple of different places and he tried to to gouge one to try I mean he Ben just loses it he's got that red hair and he's trying to rip one of my eyes out and and Mac grabbed him and pulled him off me like Dave was on was playing for Ottawa then so I'm I'm, I'm up and and I'm looking at because I know the linesman didn't pull him off and Dave's trying to calm him down I'm thinking Good thing he did that because, uh, you know, how would it got hurt worse? So, you know, time goes on. We play more games against each other and end up down in the uh, 
it wasn't the East Coast League. It might have been. It might have been one of the first years in the coast. So I was under contract to Vancouver, and I was in Utica. He was under contract to Detroit, and he'd had a couple of big time years, like in Sudbury after that, with big goals, with Johnstown. So we kind of hit it off. We're talking a little bit, and we played the rest of that year. The next year, we trade for him, and he comes our way to Utica, Salem, and ends up. We play three years down there together. Actually, he lived with me for two of them. He was like a, a bill. You never seen him hardly because i'm married he's single and he's gone all the time but big numbers like he just had like a skill to score that was like crazy and, and like you said he was tough like his like his dad was and next thing you know we're not to go out of the hockey school in guelph and everybody knew peterborough was looking for a coach and i had no idea they was coaching like coaching St. Mary's junior B's or something. And I remember Mike Polino, cause we all thought he was going to get the job because he interviewed and Mike comes up to me and says, you know, Dave McQueen. I said, yeah, really well. Like we were roommates, lived together. We played against each other for years. He said, he's the new Pete's coach. I said, you gotta be kidding me. I said, wow. And he had a tough year because I was in Oshawa then as an assistant and we'd talk back and forth quite a bit and, it was a tough year for him. They didn't win much. Um, the next year, they cleaned house in Oshawa, and Stan Butler came in. So Stan gave me the option of staying as a part-time assistant and going in the press box or whatever, but not on the bench. And I said, you know what? I'm good and had a chance to get some head coaching experience in Tier 2. So I went to Coburg. But that year in the fall, I, I helped run the, the Pete's training camp, which uh, – probably in the end got me a head coaching job maybe a couple of years later for sure got me the assistant job the year after that so my year in Coburg went well we lost to Newmarket in the final um and the next year they needed an assistant coach in Peterborough and the rest is history we, we didn't start out great but man did we finish great and it was just uh we had great chemistry and, and I don't know if that was from playing together or just knowing each other, but it worked out great. I mean, uh, we were a sixth place team to win the OHL and then host the Memorial Cup. Tough one losing in the final game, but a phenomenal year. And then London, Brad Selwood had phoned Jeff Tui after the season was over because they wanted permission to talk to me because they were looking, they were going to do a head coaching change there. So I don't know if Brad came in or whoever was there. Paul McIntosh was the GM. So we're all Peterborough guys. And uh, Jeff said, for sure. I mean, I says, I don't know. Can Brian work his job? And how's he get a coach in London and still have his job? And next thing you know, Dave says, you know what? You better hang on here because I think I might be going to Tampa. I go, what? Tampa? Like in the NHL? He goes, yeah. Like Crispy's kid was our marketing guy. And Terry was at the Memorial Cup. Really liked what he saw. He needed another assistant coach. So Dave moved, and uh, then I had a chance to interview for that job and worked out great, so I didn't have to move and was able to keep my job in Oshawa and kind of just move shifts around and stuff and coach there. You you never did give up that job at GM in all of no. your time coaching. No, no, and um, it, it's a funny because I remember trying to tell the Peterborough executive, they, they said, here's the deal. We need you in here by 1230, one o'clock every day. So now they're looking at me. Oh, I can't work and do that. Um, yeah, no problem. They're going. What, what do you mean? No problem. When are you going to work? I said, I get up. At, we start at six in the morning. It's a three, three and a half hour shift. We load. We're on a quota. We got to load so many vehicles and we're done. It's all hockey guys. We had four or five different shifts and we probably had every Oshawa general for 15 years working there and some Pete's guys, a lot of lacrosse guys. 
And any days I needed to travel, I could bump six days, sick days in, or luckily that at that time there was a couple of big layoffs in Oshawa and the plant with changeover model stuff coming in and out. So I was able to bump into that. But <laughs> the day I got fired and you got to remember you have, you know, 500 guys sitting there watching, making sure you don't get a special deal because they all, everybody has two jobs there. And the day I got fired was a Friday. We were heading, heading to North Bay on the Sunday and I had no sick days left, no personal days left. I had nothing and didn't have to worry about it. Cause I was, I got, got bumped out. So there I am back in punching in at four o'clock in the afternoon. So no, I kept it for sure. And you know, you just, because I remember a guy telling me at one time, he said, you want to coach? He said, here's one, I'm going to give you some advice. You take it. And it was like the, the late Gilly Hughes from Oshawa said, you're going to lose a lot of friends. He said, um, you know, parents, they're not going to like you maybe because you cut their kid. But he said, that's not a big deal. He said, you don't really care about that. But he said, think of it as uh, you're going to the racetrack and all those kids in there are racehorses. He said, are you going to bet your life on those 20 kids? <laughs> he said, most unpredictable thing you can, you're going to find out is these kids are so unpredictable and that's going to be every day will be different and they'll be all over the place. So if you can keep your job, probably a smart thing. And, and, and actually when I got fired, the guys, the, the, the board of directors there, they, they thought I was like one of their kids, right? They treated you really, really good. They would check up on you to see how you're doing. But I mean, I never missed a day. I was right back to work on, on that Monday, fired Friday, back Monday. I did have some guys waiting at the time clock to give it to me a little bit, but it, it was their way of saying, ah, you know what, we feel bad for you. And it's a tough one, but if you lose, you don't win games. You're not going to stay around. So what is it we say? Coaches get hired to be fired, right? Well, yeah. Well, my buddy, they, they have a, a team in North in the Lake Superior Junior League and the team's 13, four and two, and they just fired their coach. I, I said, pardon? Like, uh, and that's Colin Campbell and those guys. Like, I said, you guys kidding me? He said, no, no, we want a full-time coach. I said, 13 and he took he was coach of the year in that league last year took you guys to the finals last year as a first year team and you fire him i said wow <laughs> that's talk about that's that's crazy i mean but it is it's um you know i was lucky enough to to get a few years in there at least and um came back and did some tier two years and you know it's a lot of uh a, a lot of i don't want to say hardship but your your family has to i mean they my wife was was amazing to let me give do that and have that opportunity to take a run at it because it's uh they got to do everything when you're gone like all the time and that's that's a tough one right there so those tier two years throw me uh with coburg you at least I mean, I, I think this is the way you'd want it to be. You get to go out on your own terms. And it's not all that long ago, to be honest with you. I mean, how much no. do you miss being around the game that much? Um, you know what, Mike? I, 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 I not, not as much as I thought I would. Um, I know all the time I miss with my kids by being, I can never get that back. That's a tough one you know, to think it was it worth, you know, if you went and coached in the NHL for 10 years after for a few big contracts, you think, okay, it was worth it. But the tier two one was uh, nowhere near as, as busy as the OHL one. But when you're doing everything, it is because you're drafting, signing, trying to get players and you're on no money budgets. And that kind of dragged out a little longer maybe than it should have. And I was lucky enough. I was able to, to go out on my terms. We had a real good ownership group here and they, 
they just so it's yours you, you do what you got to do and um other than the odd meeting we'd like to come to it's yours you know and you don't get that very often i had a good core of people with me helping me so for the most part it, it, it we moved here because of that and it was a good move to come out of oshawa come east this way so now we're just getting ready to move the pei so <laughs> come on yeah yeah we'll be gerard glant followers <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's fantastic! My my late great colleague uh, Don Cameron, obviously from the island as well, and talks yeah. so so passionately not a, not just about the island but about Gerard. We met him at a Memorial Cup many years yeah. ago, and it goes on and on. Well, if you from want there. you want to hear a story about the Memorial Cup, he showed yeah, up in here when we were hosting. So I'd come from work, and Jeff Tui would pay the five hundred dollar fine, so we wouldn't have to practice at the Mem Center. We'd come down to Coburg and go in the back ring. Well, Gerard's there with his driver because he's going on his way to Detroit to do the raising of Steve Eiserman's sweater. So he was on a timeline from his wife. His wife was phoning every three or four hours to see where he was. And so he dropped in here because my owners, they were all from PEI, the Stewart family, all PEI residents. And they want to know if we could get them some tickets um, for the Saturday game. I think we were playing. Yeah, that was the branding game. We were playing Brandon. I said, yeah, you know what? I think I can get some. So I got them tickets. Never, you know, thought anything of it. I come to work on the Monday. We lose the Memorial Cup game on the Sunday. I'm back in Oshawa Monday, and he's got my buddies are all over me. I said, like, what are you doing? Like, what are you talking about? He says, you put Gerard Gallant and Terry Crisp within about three seats to each other. I thought they were going to fight. What I didn't know is they'd sat Gerard his last eight or nine games of the regular season so he wouldn't get a $300,000 bonus. I had no idea that was going on. And Terry had no, that wasn't his call. That was ownership and management call. I mean, he ended up grieving it through the Players Association. I think he got quite a bit of it back. But they said they were going to go right out in the seats. It was like crazy. <laughs> I put them right together. Almost. <laughs> but, yeah, we're looking forward to, um, to moving that way. Um, my sister and brother-in-law have been out there for a year and a bit. And we bought some property out there last year the of course the storm and stuff has slowed some stuff down and the pandemic and, and everything else but sooner or later we'll be there and yeah we'll be uh my builder is a leaf fan though i had to make sure we cleared that up because i figured he might be a ranger fan but you no, could even no, you could even run into habs down there like that's dangerous well, territory yeah. there might be more montreal fans than toronto fans out there yeah yes. that's what don cameron was too and he and i still managed to get along somehow but we've got, uh, off our 96 OHL championship team, I've got five guys living on the island. They all went to UPEI, including our captain, Adrian Murray, and they're all there. They've married girls from you from PEI, and they're all out that way, and uh, they love it. So, I mean, you know, the winters will be... <laughs> yeah, they're a little different, a little different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, we're looking forward to it. I think it's kind of like the... That's the retirement for us. I retired a couple of years ago when GM shut down and then went back because it's just, uh, I w it wasn't really a planned retirement. It was a forced one, but stayed out for a bit, did some pipeline stuff. And then I went back with the new truck launch in Oshawa. And so far that's working out good, but I mean, I'm not going to be there too much longer. So I probably get, I'll get a year and a half in or something. That's about it. I've never worked, never worked in the plant in my life. We were always outside shipping and putting stuff on trains and now it's nice and warm in there. You don't get cold. You don't get hurt. If you had only it's done that fun. 40 years ago, Drummy. 
Yeah. Well, yeah. that's a, yeah, that, <laughs> that's for sure. Where I'm working is like a 35 year seniority job. So, but that's perfect for me because that's, that's where I should be getting up there. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, you talk about that 96 championship team and the guys that are down uh, on the island now, but one name that I wanted to ask about is Cameron Mann. Cause I hear about him and hear about him and hear about him and how special a player was he? Well, he was special and that he didn't go on and become a real big time NHL guy might've been because he was a victim of the change in hockey at that time. He, he, if he's there now, he's, he's putting up huge numbers because he was so fast and had the good hands, but he had Pat Burns as a coach eh? in, in Boston. As, as much as I'm a Pat Burns fan, I think that was probably the worst coach he could have had because he was the type of kid you uh, you know, and, and Dave struggled with him. Like he tried to really, you know, to get the kid going. He saw this talent that this kid had and found that if he just kind of stayed away from him and not coddle him, but, you know, be more positive all the time, he would really light it up. And I mean, he was, I was always worried that first year I was in there, I thought, cause he had signed the contract with Boston and, and he couldn't play in, 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 in Providence because he still had OHL eligibility. But I thought, as soon as the season's done, he's gone. Like, like Pat says, we're bringing him up. So just so you know, so get ready for that. And we might bring him up even before. And I'm thinking, oh, cripes, how interested is he going to be to play here? First game to playoffs, he got seven points against Kingston. I'm going, well, they need to worry about that. But he was, that Memorial Cup, he dominated. Like he literally, he got highlight real goals. He was, he couldn't have been any better a player. And, and just a, a real nice kid too, like. It's just unfortunate, you know, if maybe Toronto took him or somebody else that might have worked out better for him, but he put up good numbers in the AHL and then went to Europe and, and, and did really well, but he should have been able to, to play for quite a while. I would think in the NHL, you just, he could, I mean, you never seen a guy that could skate like that, like unbelievable. And that Memorial Cup, I mean, we didn't win and he was the MVP. So that doesn't happen very often either. So. Exactly. How how tough was it? I mean, you mentioned it was a sixth place team. Your hosts, though, you you, you win your way through yeah. the playoffs, right? So you're OHL champs. You're yeah. there, and then on home ice, you you win that game against Brandon in the semis. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was overtime too, wasn't it? Either way, two it was one, one goal. Yeah. Yep. Two one. Yeah. Two one and with then, a late goal. A Cameron man, late goal with about maybe a minute and twenty seconds left in the okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then into the final and it obviously it doesn't go your way uh granby i guess got it that year but yeah, um, yeah. what what was that like at the pmc on the home ice after the season you'd had that championship game yeah well you know what we never uh, i can remember when the day they announced that we were going to host and uh, our executive were in a meeting at the rink and they came out and they're jumping around all excited. And like, we're skating around. We're thinking we don't even need to win another game the rest of the year, but we could, we were in the Memorial cup. So like, I mean, that's kind of not really your aim, but, but I thought um, our general manager, Jeff Tui, he had a meeting with us and we tossed a couple of things around. One was moving our big PEI defenseman, um, the Murphy kid, um, who was like a, a pillar in our dressing room, or at least bring him in and give him a chance to move because he wasn't playing much. And uh, I said to him, I said, well, I'm going to give you a little story of what happened to us in Oshawa one year. We traded Joe Cook to Owen Sound, and Joe Cook was like a, a Jonathan Murphy type guy. He might get five points for the whole season, but in the room, 
he was unbelievable. He was like another coach, a, a parent to these kids, and he could play. He play, you know. And I said, when we moved them, our team went right to tank. I said, just make sure. I said, bring the kid in. Let's see what he thinks. Kid didn't want to go anywhere, and they had a couple draft picks to to, to move him. And that's you know, I just saying that's two picks, and we already committed to the, we. But I said we committed to these kids that we weren't gonna rebuild this team because we're hosting we're going to start playing four lines we're going to play all our picks we're going to roll four lines and just see what happens we we picked up eric landry from guelph who was a, a gutsy third line kid that just was phenomenal for us that's it and a local kid uh, the jones kid that was playing junior b weighed about a buck 50 ended up being one of our best defensemen and that was it. We didn't load up. Granby, they loaded two teams to come to the Memorial Cup. So, I don't know. The, the Murphy kid got one of the biggest goals in our season. I remember Dave and Guelph, and it's, uh, oh, he was pacing back and forth. It was 3-2 Guelph after one. And goals were going in. They had Cluche and that for Guelph, and we had Zach Burke, two of the best goalies in the league. And neither of them could stop a beach ball that game. It was unbelievable how bad they were goals going in and Dave's looking at me he says what are we going to do I says well you can't pull Berkey because our backup hasn't played in like four months so that's not going to happen and he's going oh shit I said this is going to be like a a seven six eight seven game he says it better not be like he's losing it like he just says make sure you watch your d and i don't want to see murphy out there on any power play so anyway had a whole bunch of defensemen in the penalty box and this is like it's five five or six five for guelph in the third so i go murphy you're out he says it's a power play i said doesn't matter i have no other defensemen like you're going he lobs one from the blue line if it doesn't hit about four guys on the way through and go in <laughs> his first goal of the year i think his first goal in two years our bench empties like they were almost going to give us a penalty for that. they they went crazy like he ties at six six and dave's looking at him he says how did he get out there i said i don't have any defense but they're on the penalty box and then we go on the win in overtime which is just like oh my gosh like uh, and then with the defenseman scoring too like martone scoring in overtime so it, it was the, the city put on such a a, a a real good job of hosting and with us there, I think made it a, made it even easier for them to get the people in the rank. And for us, it was just like we're on a cloud. And to, to think that we lost in that final, I just thought it was a done deal. We're going to win no matter what because we're destined to win. And sure enough, not nah, nah, the hockey god said, "No, no, you really got to win." So, and the French team, we'd played them earlier um, and and beat them, but they were a good team. They had forty and fifty goal guys on their fourth line, so they they had some really good players and. It's the way it went. And just one of those things, uh, you know, Berkey got us there and he had a tough last game. Our whole team did really. And because the Brandon game, we had to go, we had to go in the tank to win that one. And when we're looking, we were going through after the game, looking at our ice times of Kevin Ballabrook and Mike Martone, our two big, uh, and Adrian Murray played almost 30 minutes. Dave just looked at me and says, we're in trouble. And I said, well, maybe not. Like, I mean, you don't know for sure, but they have no, there's not enough time to recoup physically. That's for sure. He says, what are we going to do? He said, Ballabrook's never played two games in a row with more than 25 minutes. He goes right in the tank in the second game. He said, Murray might be okay. Martone's never played more than 22 minutes. He got him at 26 minutes, but we had to do that to win. Um, sure enough, the next day, <laughs> nobody had, we didn't have a whole lot of anything left really. And, and, and the French team played well. So. Mike Martone, his son's coming through the league now with Sarnia Porter. I hear that. I hear he's a good player. He really he good is. Yeah. Oh, 
that's um, good for him. They're such a nice family. And, and Mike, I mean, he was my captain the first year I coached. So just a quality, quality guy. Probably one of my favorite players I ever coached there for sure. And to see he's got kids coming, ooh, that means we're old. Well, I was just going to say that. I shouldn't have brought it up, Drummy. I'm sorry. But yeah. <laughs> uh, Jeff Tui's name has come up a couple of times. And if you're talking about the Peterborough Peets, it's hard for that name to not come up. I, uh, I sent him a note, let him know we were about to have this chat. He said, nobody could sleep on a bus like Drummy. Why would he say a thing like that? <laughs> Well, because I had to go to work and <laughs> I got home where those guys got to go to bed. But that was one thing they used to they used to have contests when I played to see either how quick I had a hot bath when we got into the hotel room or how soon I got to sleep. And in the American Hockey League, they won somebody won fifty bucks. I was asleep in the parking lot before we got out. But you just you could sleep. I mean, I would bring foam, put it on the floor between the seats and make like a little cot and I'd be out. These guys sit there in their seats, sitting up for five-hour bus trips, and wonder why the next day they're like, "I'm like I've had a really good night's sleep." But that that that's funny. <laughs> Jeff remembers that because he's at the front with us, eh? and he says, "Where's Drummy going, Dave?" So he's there down there. He's asleep. <laughs> goes, what? You're kidding me? He said, "No, no. He's got his mattress or his foam, and he curls it up." And he said, "He's got to go to work like seven o'clock or six o'clock in the morning." He goes, "Oh, jeez." But. Jeff, Jeff, would always, Jeff could never do that. He had to sit up and rehash the game because, you know, that's what GMs do, right? And uh, he, he had trouble sleeping on the bus and he could hear me snoring. <laughs> when, when you look back on it all, Drummy, and we kind of started this by talking about the, the mark you left on the game that'll never be taken away. You played as a 14-year-old in the Ontario Hockey League. It'll never happen again. Uh, playing for uh, the... Memorial Cup on home ice when you're coaching in Peterborough, uh, drafted by the Vancouver Canucks. You mentioned some time in the coast, et cetera. Do you have a highlight when you think back on on all of these decades in the game? Boy, that's a tough one. Um, you know what? I never – I think the year the, – the day I got traded to Peterborough might have been probably one of the – a day that I look back on. And I remember Sherry Basson calling me in, and we'd just beaten London, and I wanted to finish my career in Oshawa, and we weren't very good. I think that was our second win in 14 games, and I'm the captain. And he said, you know what? He says, uh, hell of a game out there tonight. And I said, yeah, that's unreal. We, we beat that team, and that maybe that'll get us going. He said, if I was going to trade you, Okay, I'm going to give you a scenario. Would you go to the? Would you like to go to the Hamilton Finn Cups and play for Bert, or go to the Peterborough Peets and play for Gary Green? I mean, it was a quick answer because my mom's family was so so much embedded in that community. And right away, I said Peterborough, and right away he said, "Well, that's good because we traded you there." <laughs> I said, "When?" He said, "Well, it was about an hour ago, hour and a half ago." And later in the year, Hamilton tried to get me out of Peterborough because McCourt needed a left winger. They wanted a big, tough guy on the left side that would play with him. And they're willing to move a 50-goal guy. I'm thinking, are you guys crazy? Like, I'm not going to get 50 goals. But they needed that that type of guy on his line. And and I remember Gary saying, he said, you never would go there, would you? I said, no, I like This is where I want to be. And this is a big highlight for me to be here and walk around in this rink and look at stuff on the wall and that. I mean – you know, it was a big deal. So I'd have to say that that trade day and probably my first game there, you know, I mean, I played a lot of years in Oshawa and 
we never had anywhere near the success that we did in Peterborough. It's a totally different scenario going from one city to the other, but I think to be able to play for both of them is kind of neat too. But the day I got traded there was, was huge. And, and, and it might be followed real close by when Jeff gave me the opportunity to coach there too, because that was his call pretty much. And, um, you know, we got real close in that Memorial Cup here. And for him to give me that opportunity, that was a big deal. How'd you ever get used to playing with those damn square corners in Peterborough? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, they were good, good place to stop <laughs> for guys like, like me and Brubaker. We used them to stop, <laughs> crash into them. I think if you, I think of the way it worked, if you get the puck up in there, it's fine. If you don't, it'll come right out in front of that. That, that was the big deal, but um, it was always a tough rink to go in and play, like real tough. I always would be excited just to go there to, to play because I knew some of our big guys, they would have bad games in there and I might get some extra ice time. But if you got the puck up, it, it, it would travel around almost like a circle corner. But it tell you if it's off at all, it comes straight out. It'll come right, right out into the high slot. So you can just wait there and maybe get some, some real good chances. But I remember sitting with Darren in there one night and he dragged me in there after a night shift. I says, Darren, like, I want to go to sleep. He says, yeah, but we can, we can skate, skate for an hour. He says, you can do some cardio. I'm going to just work on my shot. Cause we had the keys to go in. Right. And we go in there and we're sitting there in the seats. And I said to him, I said, look around and all the lights are out in there. It's kind of eerie. I said, more players have come out of this rink into the national hockey league than every, any rink in the world. And he's sitting there looking around and, he says, wow. I said, this is, this is like, and that, that's a true stat. I mean, at that time, more players drafted and more players had played coming out of this rink right here. So something for you to think about. And he says, yeah, well, I want to go down and shoot. He said, I want to be really sitting here <laughs> listening to you. But yeah, which is, it's a, it's a phenomenal stat and their history. Unfortunately, the small teams that are, really in the OHL now it's it's such a business and the little places like Peterborough and I don't want to say Sudbury and it's for sure not you guys but uh are really you know finding it hard to get three and four thousand people in I mean we go into Oshawa like there's like four or five thousand there the other night and they what lost nine games in a row yeah you, you wouldn't get that in most places until you got some more wins up there so business is is tough that's for sure right before I let you go, you just made me think of something else. When you're talking about all those players that came out of Peterborough and still one of the organizations that has graduated the most, even to this day, but you had a decent track record of that too, in your tier two time as a coach mm -hmm. and a GM developing players for the next level. And I don't think that should be overlooked. Well, we took, um, and, and I used to say that to my owners here, we took a lot of pride in, and, and I used to get into it with Branchy. Branchy, David used to listen to us on our TV shows in Peterborough, and, and I knew he'd go to sleep usually about second period. So I could get away with sneaking some NCAA stuff in there or OHL versus NCAA, or, you know, I think that guy should have dropped the gloves and fought there type of thing, because he'd be ready. You get an email right away, and he'd say, Drummy can't say that. I can't say that. But when we were here, we moved um, over, it was over 50 kids to the NCAA and, and we had 62 or 63 go to the OHL. So I used to say, Dave, I said, it's a split down the middle. And I said, you gotta remember when these kids come in here, their agents have them redlined either 
south to school or north to the OHL. So unless something can change from your end, and that's when, you know, the school programs were changing, the school, uh, you know, year for year, you were getting guaranteed schooling. And what a move by David to do that. I mean, it's not that I preferred the NCAA. My job when I talked to parents was, get your kid what's best for your kid. If it's going to school, it's going to school. If it's playing in the O, it's playing in the O. And I don't know, I had a battle with George Burnett and he says, I want Chris Petro. And he says, I know you guys are in first place and that might cost you first place. And I said, done deal. And he's, he said, pardon? I said, well, Chris's mom passed away in the fall. Last thing I said to his mom and dad was, if I can get him to Oshawa with a school package, he's going. If he can't get a school package, he's going to Michigan State. So He's got a no-win situation. And, we, and then what did George say to me? He says, I suppose you're going to want a development fee too. And I said, oh, yeah. And skates. I need some skates, a size 10 and a half, and about two dozen sticks too. And he's just shaking his head. He's, he, and him and Donnie Meehan and was his agent as well as Chris's. So he knew he couldn't do anything. But we never pushed either one direction or the other. So, I mean, got to remember in the old days, we didn't have that opportunity to get the schooling that's guaranteed now out of, you know, from these junior teams in the Ontario Hockey League that these kids get now. So it was close. It was almost right down the middle. So when Dave would always bring it up, he says, you can't be talking about that NCAA like that. He said, this is the Ontario Hockey League. You're on an Ontario Hockey League broadcast. I said, yeah, but I'm, I, it's not my broadcast. I'm the guest, <laughs> kind of like I'm the color guy. So but I knew when he'd go to sleep eh? and sometimes he'd play it back. And if he didn't like something, I'd get an email. He'd just, but then he says, you're right. Like I checked the stats on your kids. You're right on like more went to the O, but very, very minimal more. But I said, David, that's their, their direction, their choice. We just coach them, teach them and hope that they get that opportunity. That's all we can provide. So <laughs> I'll tell you what, Drummy, I want this one. I think it could go on all night, but uh, there's an old <laughs> rule that you would know from doing your time in broadcasting too. always leave them wanting more. So we'll, uh, we'll plan for a sequel once you get settled into PEI. How's that? Yeah, that sounds great. You have to get Jeff and I on together. That would be kind of a fun one. I think. Okay. I can absolutely we... do. Jeff's one of my favorite guys in this game. Yeah. So that should be fun. Oh, we got some good stories. <laughs> even, okay. even, when, even when he had to fire me, that was kind of, kind of not comical, but it's just, you know, it's the way it went. It's business and, but what's, you know what? Our what's your version of that story? I wonder if it's different than his. Well, I think I was a little pouty at first, for sure. I mean, you, I mean, first call I made was to my wife and then second one to you know, Rick Kornacki, who's a close coaching mentor. Um, but Jeff was good. Like, I mean, he, one of the directors came in and kind of said which way they were going and, and, you know, Jeff could have left. But he did. He came right in, sat in there with me, and we chatted a little bit about what had happened in the last couple of years. And not so much what was going on then. And they were going to let him coach, and he wasn't sure. I mean, he always wanted to coach, so he, I think he was excited about that. But he didn't feel excited about what was happening to me. So he could have left, and he didn't. So I have had a lot of – I mean, I always had a lot of respect for the guy. I mean, he's known him forever, so – and he stayed in there and I thought that was kind of neat because he didn't have to do that because I had to clean out all this junk I had all over the place in my office and he's trying to help me and it's like you know what do you say right but that's um that's a long time ago and everything happens for a reason and uh, it was sure it was, it was kind of fun when it lasted when you have success there it's it's a lot of fun but uh 
That's the way it goes. Well, it'll be drummy and tui for part two of this for sure. Yeah, sounds good, Michael. <laughs> Brian, thank you so much for doing this with us. Yep. Say hi to Mac down there in Kitchener, eh? I will absolutely do that for you. Yeah, his family, they're good, good friends. Him and his, his dad and me are pretty good friends. So I'll pass yeah. it along for sure. Yeah. Thank you, Mike. Thanks, Drummy. Take care. Okay. Bye bye. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.